0: So, it's unethical to do like an experiment with a healthy uh, human baby brain. Right. Um, so for several years, scientists have relied le- relying on animal models, for example. We try to learn what happens in, uh, in a mouse or in a monkey, and we extrapolate to humans. But as I pointed out, the human brain is so different from other species. Um, So we need to understand how the human brain is formed. So here comes this new uh, technology, which is uh, uh, a brain organoid. And a brain organoid is just the recapitulation of the human development inside uh, the lab um, using stem cells to grow every single step at these very early stages of neurodevelopment. Let's explain what stem cells are, so this will make sense. All right. Stem cells are cells that are immature. They don't have... uh, a fate uh, defined yet. For example, in, in, in you have your skin cells, you have your blood cells, you have your brain cells. All these cells have names right now because they already acquire some kind of identity. In the early stages of uh, uh, the embryogenesis, you have uh, stem cells that um, are not defined yet. They are just uh, self-replicating, and they will give rise to progenitor cells that later will form all the tissues in the body. So these cells, we call them pluripotent stem cells because they can form any tissues of the body. So if they're given the right instructions or stimulus, they could
1: become liver or brain. Right, you don't right. know. So you figured out how to
0: induce them to becoming brain. Yeah, we are brain makers. <laughs> we, we develop uh, protocols and, and, and recipes, formulas, that we can uh, add on these stem cells uh, and instruct them or, or food them around to think that they are in the right environment to become the cell type that we want. And my lab has been optimizing these protocols to create what we call a brain organoid or a mini brain. Some people call them mini brains because they're just a a very miniaturized version of the human brain. So last year, we learned how to grow these organoids to create functional neural networks. So that's one step ahead. So now... So now we have to explain what the neural net, the functional network is. Right. A Functional network is when neurons start to talk to each other and and, and form uh, uh, complex uh, nets of information. So that's how um, our beginning of our cognition appears or or arises in in the early stages of neurodevelopment. Um, So so the baby doesn't have all those connections? The baby already have them, but they're not mature enough. And uh, in the organoid, we never seen that before because we thought that it would be impossible to recreate that in vitro. Uh, And a brain organoid has uh, intrinsic limitations. It's not vascularized, not all cell types are there. We don't even know if the conditions are the same condition as uh, in in uterus. So we were quite skeptical that the networks would appear in these brain organoids. But um, so science has evolved. Uh, to the point where we, we could tweak this protocol and make them actually form these networks. So now we open the possibility to study conditions where the brain's intact, but the networks are not. For example, uh, conditions like uh, autism or schizophrenia. Um, so we don't see a uh, major neuronal loss or a neurodegeneration in autism or schizophrenia. But the network. But the network is defective. So the question is, can we use these brain organoids to find new drugs or, or eventual gene therapy um, to help people with this kind of neurological conditions? So understanding normal, how it, how it works, how it's supposed to work, helps you identify what to do in uh, situations where it didn't work the way we want it to work. Exactly, that's, that's, that's how we do it. We always uh, compare the disease condition with the neurotypical. That's what we call disease modeling in a dish. So we're, we're doing this right now. I, I remember years ago I met an Indian sitar player
1: and he gave me music to play for my children and, he, and I said, why shouldn't I listen to it? And He said that I, I never developed the neural connections to hear all the sounds because those were not made when I was a baby. Mm-hmm. and when I can make those networks. You speak Portuguese and the sounds, I have to concentrate very hard to hear all of that, uh-huh. but your neural network was exposed to that and it was reinforced and created. So you're now looking at these kinds of networks that babies, that's how they learn and grow yeah. and being able to develop them in a lab. So I, that's, it's just to me amazing yeah. uh, that that you're able to do that in a laboratory.
0: And I think you now touch on, on, on other things, which, which my, um, uh, uh, be a little bit more complex. For example, uh, we could use the same technology to make uh, the same human brain um, uh, more plastic or more adaptable or have more synapses or be more protective against neurodegeneration later in life. Would be nice to have a brain that is protected against Alzheimer's. Yes. So we can, we can ask those questions and perhaps finding answers. And, um, and, and some of these answers might require early modulations of these networks at very early stages in development. So we, as a society, we have to discuss the ethical implications of those um, alterations. Uh,
1: you know, as, as a parent, that's a, that's a tough question to think about, uh, and in society, that, that's a tough question. I don't think we'll answer that today, but, <laughs> but it's an important question because Science is about to give us those options, right. uh, and, and sooner rather than later to decide that. Uh, I, I'm a pediatric ophthalmologist. Uh, we have children who have amblyopia that really can't be treated after you get older mm-hmm. because the neuroplasticity is gone. Right. Uh, there are brain injuries that we'd love to be able to repair. I mean, there, there's so much that we'd want to be able to do that you could see you making a difference in.